Our business is all about innovation and diverse teams, diverse skills, they bring the best in terms of innovation. It's about trying to be inclusive and listening to not just the loudest voice in the room, you know, trying to encourage and bring different perspectives onto the table. If I'm in a meeting, I really want everybody to be there present with their mind and not be working on emails or some sort of distractions. I really want that if we are there for 30 minutes that we can bring the maximum of ourselves into that. The most important thing that you do is to create the right environment in your organization. Because if you create the right environment, the talent will prosper, people will do the best that they can do, and the organization will literally unleash its potential. This is Siana TV, my name is Hendrik Dekkers. I'm here today with Sanjay Bramawar, who is the CEO of Software AG. A very warm welcome, Sanjay. Thank you very much, Henrik. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Sanjay, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? What is your background and how did you arrive in this position as CEO of Software AG? Sure, Henrik. I was born in India and, um, you know, I'm a Belgian by my nationality. I've lived and worked in, uh, work in several countries and um, really enjoyed and appreciated different cultures. Um, through, you know, after my, after my graduation, I worked with Honda for, uh, for about four years and then did a master's in business in England and then uh, ended up in Holland working uh, with DSM for a couple of years. Um, following that, of course, I worked for several other companies and then landed with PricewaterhouseCoopers, which was um, in 2002 acquired by, by IBM. And uh, so started my career with IBM and then was with IBM for almost 14 years after that. Yep. Um, and just recently, in 2018, August, I have started serving as the CEO of Software AG. Okay. Now, the, let's talk about Agile and Fragile. Uh, in this uh, CIO Fest conference that we're doing here, we've heard earlier today from Pamela Maynard and Peter Weil and Tom Reichert their views on, on Agile and Fragile. How do you look at these two concepts? How do you look at building Agile organizations and where do you see the risks? Yeah. Look, I think this is a really interesting topic because um, if you think about it, the demands and the requirements of the business are changing so rapidly. So it's almost incumbent on, you know, um, uh, organizations to be able to set themselves up in such a way that they can respond to these changing business needs. Now, I think about agile as a way of working. I don't think about it so much as a technology, right? Because if you don't change the ways you're working, you're in fact setting yourself to be probably more fragile. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think what, what needs to be done is more about thinking how these capabilities are offered to the business in, um, in a self-service way, in a way where um, these capabilities have been designed for security, for scalability, for flexibility, mm -hmm. uh, but with the objective that um, organizations can, um, uh, can offer these capabilities to the changing business demand. So, so I think it's very important that uh, agility is with a certain level of discipline, but also with the mindset that we have to constantly work with sort of minimum viable products and then iterations to be able to meet the changing business uh, needs. Yeah. Now, Sanjay, you talk to a lot of CEOs and a lot of CIOs. 
how do you how have you seen the the role of the CIO change and what do you feel is the role of the CIO of in implementing agility in organizations today yeah, well, I mean, I think, uh, to be honest, uh, the CIOs are in such a fantastic position right now to be able to support um, strategic uh, initiatives in the organizations or being able to help the organizations with competitive positioning. I think in the past, what we would say is, you know, the role of the CIO got somewhat relegated to a bit of a run and maintain managing the cost, managing the infrastructure. Um, yeah, but, you know, today, if you think about it, technology is the biggest lever that organizations have. Software is omnipresent. You know, every kind of service or product that companies are, are offering their clients has, in some ways, intelligence that is embedded with the help of software. So, um, so the new HCIOs are those that are thinking about how technology can support growth, can support strategic ambitions of companies, but also create competitive advantage companies. And, and I guess the way CIOs do that is by thinking more in terms of, you know, how they make technology accessible to the business, how they become a business partner, they sit at the same strategic table uh, with the CEOs and the CFOs, uh, thinking through uh, making business independent so that there is not a need of tons of technical experts or data scientists to be able to do analytics or to be able to really um, use the technical cap uh, uh, technology and capabilities. So those are the new age CIOs who are in fact thinking not so much about building everything themselves, but thinking about what are core capabilities, but also then how can they leverage the ecosystem and partner to offer flexibility, scalability and speed yep. to their business. I mean, like you have many clients around the world. Maybe you could give us a couple of examples of, of best practices, um, cases uh, where you are involved and, and where you say these are really uh, good examples of, of where CIOs, where organizations have created agilities to, to better serve the clients, for instance. Yeah. I mean, let me start with a, with a great example of Smart City Dubai, where mm -hmm. um, basically the unique concept is thinking through the eyes of their customers. They're thinking about customer journeys for citizens, for visitors, for companies, for investors. Um, and by thinking about those journeys and what kind of an experience do their uh, end customers have, They've, they've worked on you know, providing data and bringing data together from different parts of the, uh, of the government bodies so, so that they can create that experience. And, and that is a way of you know, integrating data, bringing data together, and then being able to offer the services to, uh, to their end consumers. So it's, it's these kind of um, you know, ways to be able to create the experience, the customer, connected customer experience, which, which mm -hmm. makes a difference. Yeah. Okay. And what is the role of, of, of your technology in, in, uh, in, in cases like these? Where, where do, um, do you come in? Well, I mean, like, as I said, you know, our, our entire job is to be able to help companies bring the data together, being able to break down these silos. So our technologies are um, hybrid integration and API management platforms and then IoT platform. And with these technologies, we are able to first collect data from assets and uh, mobile devices, et cetera, bring the data together and then and bring it together with data that is created in your ERPs or your customer interface systems, um, and then make that data accessible through, through cloud data lake technologies, uh, allow, allow the business to be able to access the data through APIs. 
And that's how we are playing a role in helping you know, customers become truly connected. And have you seen examples where too many APIs and data being scattered all over the place in, in all different parts of, of, the, com of the company have, has uh, created problems and, and uh, has created risks for, um, for organizations? Well, I think what, what happens is over a period of time, organizations build up data that, that has been created through their transactional systems or through their customer interaction systems. This is all very valuable data. But unfortunately, the problem is that it is not data that is easily accessible and is often sitting in silos. And the power of the data is when you can merge, bring the data together, create access to the data. So I think the, the problem for organizations is their speed, their agility, their competitiveness in the market are actually slowed down or let's say reduced because of these data silos. And hence, when you adopt integration technologies, when you adopt IoT platform technologies, you can break down these silos. You can make that data accessible. So that's what I see in many organizations that have not taken a, a big step towards the digital transformation. Okay, let's talk a bit about IoT because this is a, an important part of your business as, uh, as well. Where do you see this going? I mean, one of your roles as CEO is, is to look in the, in, into the day after tomorrow and, and where technology and where business is going. Where do you see the future of IoT and, and, and new applications that, that are not necessarily common uh, already today? Yeah. I mean, if you think that um, we are living in the world of um, where the customer are demanding a different type of experience. Mm -hmm. They want a truly connected experience. If you think about the automotive world, Tesla has changed the way um, consumers experience their automobiles, right? And so it's this connected experience that is becoming the pull. And IoT is a technology that helps deliver on this connected experience. Whether it is an automobile or it is a washing machine or it is an asset that is being delivered to a manufacturing location where it is going to, to be used, um, at all points, customers expect that the, the company that's delivering this uh, product or this service understands the operation of that, uh, of that um, asset and understands mm -hmm. how the condition of that asset is. To be able to do that, you need to leverage IoT technology so that you can collect the data and you feed that data into your operations so you can manage them very well. But you also feed that data into your uh, design, product design, so you can continuously improve the product to be able to offer a better service to the customers. And the last point I would say is many companies are shifting and moving from products to services. Mm -hmm. So where they offer subscription services. And if you want to continue to offer good subscription services where the customer consumes more and there's cross-sell and upsell, you have to leverage IoT technologies to be able to deliver those kind of services. Okay, great. Now, let's talk a, a bit more about uh, your company, about Software AG. It's the second largest European uh, software house. Uh, it's been around for more than 50 years now. How, and, and, and I can imagine that one of the goals of bringing you in as the new CEO was to do a kind of a turnaround and make sure that the company is, 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 is reinvented time and time uh, again. How do you do that? How do you uh, turn around a 50-year-old uh, software company and make sure that, uh, that they provide the latest and the best for their clients? Yes, you pointed out a very important thing. You know, we are a 50-year-old, I would say, bold company. And, and why I would say bold is because 
you know, I think our company has evolved over, over the 50 years and has mm -hmm. had the courage to constantly reinvent itself. So I think that we have this heritage, and I, I call it either we have battle scars that we have earned over the last 50 years. Now, the great thing is that we can take this heritage, we can leverage these fantastic relationships that we built with our customers, and we can build on top of that. So yep. my coming into the company you know, is a great opportunity to think through how we can shape the company for the next 50 years. And I can tell you, Henrik, on the first 60 days I just spent on the road listening and talking to our people and our customers. And through that, we evolved our strategy, which is Helix, which is a five-year roadmap to be able to shape our company onto the path for sustainable growth, profitable growth. And, and it all starts from thinking about the customer and, and thinking about an outside-in perspective as to how we, as Software AG, will continue to add this value and be a trusted partner with our customers for innovation, for delivery, for execution, and, and for helping them with, uh, with their own competitive positioning. So yeah. that's, that's how we are shaping the company, and that's how we are, you know, uh, we've been embarking on our strategy. We are now in the third year of our uh, strategy implementation. Okay, because I mean, I, I can imagine your role is to make sure that the company grows, that there's, that there's a, a very nice, well-planned growth uh, that is well predictable, uh, in, uh, with, with all your, uh, the, the great technology that is there. Uh, so what are the changes that you had to make inside the organization so that you could, um, that you could create this growth? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, it's all about planting a flag, you know, creating, creating the vision and the ambition that the company has is what is the direction that we are going. So we define very clearly this whole um, uh, strategy around truly connected enterprise. How do we deliver value to our customers? And then we planted the flag is this is, this is where we want to be in five years from now. And, and, and the next step is actually you know, sharing the strategy and building the conviction among the people within the company that we have a path to get. And I think you know, strategy is very good, but actually then it boils down really to the implementation. And you, you have to get quite uh, systematic and structured about the execution with a clear roadmap and clear milestones and celebrate those milestones so that you know, there is a confidence building in the organization that we can get to this flag that we have planted. So yeah. for me, you know, I broke the journey down into stages. So year one was all about foundation, where we had to make a lot of changes, very difficult changes, but they were very essential to set the company on the right path. And year two, 2020 for us, was all about momentum. Here is where we delivered the growth on the bookings and we started demonstrating A to ourselves, but also to the market and our customers that yes, this company can now start delivering growth. And then year three, four and five are all about acceleration. So it's, it's kind of sort of breaking down the journey, making it into uh, logical steps and then building conviction within the organization on that. And I think the final thing what I would say, which is probably the underlying aspect is really the cultural change. And, and, and working on the aspects about things that help us um, move towards our goals, but also things that are holding us back. Mm -hmm. Probably things around too much complexity, things around the speed with which we can respond to customers. Um, how much uh, are we creating a culture that is more about learning culture rather than knowing it all culture? Um, allowing, allowing more opportunities to be able to take some risks, be more entrepreneurial, 
Um, so it's, it's about that cultural change that makes this um, transformation sustainable, yep. um, which is also something that we've been really putting a lot of energy to. Now, change comes through people. So did you, have to, did you have to change a lot in your team? Did you have to attract new people, new ideas? Uh, did you have to let go of some people? Tell us about the people side of your business. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. You know, change and transformation effectively boils down to people, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and when you think about people, you've got to think about, uh, of course, bringing in new talent to be able to bring new ideas, create some flow within the organization. But at the same time, you know, understanding the talent within the company and how could you, how can we grow the talent and, and accelerate the talent within the company? So when we defined the, the teams that were working on our Helix uh, program, uh, we looked at talent within the company to pull through talent, um, give the opportunity to be exposed to different types of transformation programs. At the same time, of course, we recruited uh, a good amount of talent from the outside to bring uh, certain new perspectives and new ways of thinking. So it's this combination of new talent and, and uh, growing in uh, e existing talent that has been very helpful in terms of you know, uh, progressing the transformation. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about your leadership team? Because, in, I mean, developing the right strategy, changing culture, it, it, it happens top-down, bottom-up as well, of course, but, but top-down is very important. So how did you work and how did you change your leadership team to, uh, to create all the change that, uh, that, that you're doing? Well, I mean, you know, look, I think, I think it, does, it does start from, uh, from the leadership, from the top. In fact, um, you know, you really have to walk the talk. You have to be able to role model the behaviors mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, change and transformation is about behaviors and what you change um, in terms of the ways of working. Or, um, but that has, to, that has to start with the leadership. Um, and so, you know, we brought in, um, we brought in some leaders into... Um, into the um, board of the company. Uh, but we also looked at the executive leadership team below the board, and we brought in some leaders from companies like Salesforce, Microsoft, uh, um, SAP, etc. cetera, um, while, as I said, promoting internal talent also. And it's this combination of, uh, of the talent that helped make, um, make the difference also. You know? Okay, and so, what is, I mean, what is it about you? Why did they select you as the, the, as the CEO of Software AG? How would you describe yourself as uh, uh, your leadership style? How is it that you lead this organization? Well, first of all, very fortunate to be able to serve as the CEO of Software AG and be part of this fantastic uh, transformation journey. Um, but I think, you know, when I, if I were to just uh, describe myself, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm full of energy, very passionate. Um, um, I, I like, like listening, um, you know, really trying to get different perspectives. Uh, and I think that's quite essential in this kind of uh, transformation, particularly when you are not a startup or a brand new company, but you have a 50 years uh, heritage. Um, and then the third thing is really about, you know, trying to be inclusive. And, and there I mean, not just all, all about diversity, but also about listening to uh, not just the loudest voice in the in the in the room, you know, trying to trying to encourage and bring different perspectives onto the table, and 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 finally, it's about really around creating that environment where um, you're approachable, you're direct, um, and 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 it is an opportunity to be able to engage and um, you know try to get uh, get a common discussion or an open discussion around what we're trying to achieve. 
uh, really bring all the attention onto where we're trying to take this company. What, what are we trying to um, create as an environment within the company uh, and, and for our clients? So it's, that's kind of something that I would uh, say describes me. And what do you think your, your team, your people, the, I mean, the thousands of people that work uh, with you, what do you think they will say about you when you're not around, when you're not listening? Huh? <laughs> How do you think you're perceived by your, by your teams and by your clients? Well, you know, I think uh, for my clients, I would say um, trusted relationship really puts mm -hmm. a lot of emphasis onto the relationship aspect um, and the delivery aspect. Because I think, you know, I, um, I tend to work more on the long, longer part of the relationship and, and how you build that. Um, I think they would say he is quite direct and straight with his, uh, with his perspective, even if it might not be the, the, the one that the customer might want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so that, I think that's what you would get from, uh, from the client. From, uh, from the people perspective, I would say you'd get, he's hard, uh, you know, he's demanding, he definitely wants, because uh, wants, if I'm in a meeting, I really want everybody to be there present with their, with their mind, you know, and not be working on emails or, or you know, some sort of distractions. I, I really want that we, if we are there for 30 minutes, that we can bring the maximum and of ourselves into that. So, so that's, they would say, they would also say that he's um, definitely full, full of energy and passion in terms of, uh, you know, I also like to have fun. So, so that's, uh, that's definitely, that's definitely part of me, you know. That, that's, that surely helps. Now, you were born you, and, and you studied in India before you came to Europe. What is it about Indian uh, top leaders uh, nowadays? Why are so many uh, top technology companies led, uh, like Microsoft and so on, uh, led by people from Indian descent? What is, it, what is the special sauce that you bring to the table that makes that you're successful in this role? Well, I have to be honest, I haven't really thought about it like that, Henrik, as, as you position it. But, well, I, I, I would say it's not so much about the origins, but more about maybe traits, right? I guess uh, if you think about mm -hmm. it, it could be, it's, it's, it's more around probably um, the ability to listen a bit more, you know, kind of being humble about, about the experience. I think more and more we find leadership and, and, and in CEOs that this, this humility, this ability to show vulnerability is quite important because at the end of the day, no CEO has all the answers. I definitely don't think I have all the answers. And, and, and there are, you know, having a lot of smart people and being able to pull the collective intelligence and the ability of all the smart people. Um, I think, you know, if you think about Software AG, we have 5,000 people. Uh, we have to tap into the power of all the 5,000 people. You know, yeah. we cannot depend on a few people. We have to really tap into. So, I think it's some of those traits and maybe those, uh, those, you know, those probably are the commonalities, but I think you'd see those traits across uh, our CEOs in, in many companies, you know. So you would say that modern leadership is, is not a traditional command and control, it's, it's, but it's collaboration, making sure that, that you have an, an, an authentic uh, leadership style, a transparent leadership style. Let's talk about a little bit about uh, diversity. I mean, not only from where people are from, but their gender and, and their, their uh, opinions or whatever. How important is diversity in, in your organization today? Well, look, I mean, I think diversity is not about, um, you know, something that is, uh, um, I, I think it's essential, absolutely mm -hmm. essential for a business because um, our business is all about innovation. We need to bring innovation to our clients to help them perform better, to help them, uh, you know, excel, 
to help them be more competitive. And, you, and diverse teams, diverse skills, they bring the best in terms of innovation. So, so I think for businesses, diversity is not something that we have to you have to force ourselves to think about it. It is, an, it is absolutely an imperative. That's the way we can be best businesses. Uh, so that's kind of one thing. But then, you know, talking about diversity and actually creating a diverse environment and an inclusive environment are two different things, right? Absolutely. And, and I, think, I think as leaders, I would say we all have to work on it. We all have to, you know, constantly be uh, aware that in a room when you sit, you have to encourage people to speak and contribute because sometimes you know people don't are not are a bit hesitant not would, would may not say something and so so you need to pull this and to create an environment where everybody can contribute number one and number two I think you have to be conscious about as you're building teams you know what kind of skills and what kind of uh, types backgrounds cultural um, you know what, how diverse are these teams and how much kind of different ways of thinking are you bringing? Because that's the way we can, you know, by thinking about the composition of teams, we as leaders can also be, um, you know, really making this more practice rather than just uh, theoretical, you know. Yeah. Let's talk a minute about the impact of the corona crisis of the pandemic that we have um, lived over the last uh, year and, 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 and longer. What was the impact on, uh, on your business? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, this pandemic is a human tragedy. So, you know, I, I just want to think that for us as human beings and, you know, as families, as fathers, mothers, um, you know, it's just been quite, quite, uh, quite difficult. Um, now on the other side, I would say, you know, I think it's also brought out um, some things that uh, have become a bit clear, but also we've learned a lot through this pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. We've learned that we as human beings can actually are quite resilient, can, can deal with very difficult situations and, and learn to adapt and, and you know, kind of still carry on with, with taking care of our, uh, our, uh, our businesses and our, and our people. The second thing that, that also has come up is sort of a wake up call for many organizations that had not taken the step for digital transformation. And you can see, and, and you know, I experienced, I talked to at least two to, two to three CEOs or CXOs every week. And what I have um, heard very clearly is those organizations that had invested in digital transformation, they uh, have dealt with the pandemic very uh, differently and, and much better, but also going to come out of this pandemic in terms of their recovery much faster. So yeah. this is sort of a bit of a wake up call. And I think the third thing is, is probably breaking down of some norms, you know, in terms of um, understanding around hybrid working and what what I guess is acceptable, workable, and what is not. So we have learned that we can continue to engage, collaborate, communicate, uh, keep productivity up through remote working, through using collaboration tools. But we've also learned that there is a you know, mental fatigue side of it. People are just tired of sitting and you know, watching screens and, and working. So, so there's a lot of learning through this, and I think the new normal, let's say the way forward, will be a balance and a mix of what we have mm -hmm. learned versus going back to some things that we really appreciated in the past, which is you know, human interaction, being able to sit in a room, have a coffee together, or being able to go and visit teams in different locations. So that's, that's the way I think, you know, through this pandemic, we've learned a lot. And, and some of the good things we will adopt as we go forward and, and some of the things that were a challenge for us, we will, we will hopefully open out uh, with the lockdowns easing. So did the crisis make Software AG more agile or more fragile? 
I think the crisis has brought us together uh, and made us um, and demonstrated the resilience in this organization. First and foremost, you know, our entire attention has been on our people, the safety of our people, the well-being of our people, and that has proven to be absolutely the right thing. Taking care of the people has resulted in con continuity of operations. We were able to move people from one day to the other to working from their homes. We were able to ensure their safety and that allowed us to continue you know, supporting our customers, make sure that our operations were running and that we could continue to deliver innovation to our clients. So I think you know, that it has made us um, very tight, very uh, come together as a team and really uh, understand the resilience that we have as an organization dealing with this pandemic. Yeah. Now, Sanjay, you come across and, and, uh, as, as a very authentic and an and open leader, and, 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 and I, I really appreciate that. So I, if you don't mind, I would like to go a little bit deeper and understand a little bit more about your, you as a person, because I think in the end, um, successful leadership uh, is linked to uh, certain ways that you think, to convictions, to values that you have. I mean, um, uh, I, I, I take it that you have a family uh, uh, around you. So what are the values that you are giving to your family that you want to see live on and, and, and that re also drive you in, in your life and, your, and in your work? Yeah, I definitely have a family and I have two um, sort of amazing wife and two, two young boys, uh, you know, uh, 14 and 11. And so it's very exciting at home. You know, it's a, mm -hmm. as I said, it's a, it's a transformation and a great learning journey here at Software AG, but at, at home also, it's, yep. you know, my boys are growing at the speed of lightning. So it's, it's <laughs> indeed a learning journey for me at home also. But I think it's just, you know, the simple values and the simple uh, things that really matter. And, and I think, um, it's, it's, it's things about humility, it's things about respect, it's things about, um, you know, learning, it's about exploring. So I'm constantly with my boys trying to explore different things. Um, sometimes I try to explore things that they love, like, you know, perhaps a video game or something that I probably have no clue about. But I, I, I try to, you know, kind of engage to understand. And then sometimes they try to explore things like, you know, biking that I love doing. And, and so it's, it's about this, um, this, you know, instilling this um, kind of uh, values within, within your, uh, your family, your children, mm -hmm. which are about understanding that, you know, as we, as we move, we have to constantly keep ourselves open um, to, to perspectives. So that's kind of sort of uh, the, what it looks like at our home, you know. Okay. Let me challenge you a little bit. I mean, you're very successful, professional. Uh, so you have a 29-year uh, career uh, in international, um, but we all make our mistakes. We all have our traumas. We all have our things that didn't go uh, as, as we wanted them. Are you open to share what was your most brilliant failure that you have gone through? And, and what was it that you learned from, uh, from that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, um, as you rightly point out that, uh, you know, along your career and along your journey, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, there yep. will be failures and you're going to have successes. And I would say that you learn the most from your failures. And, and that's true because, you know, you kind of go through very difficult uh, situations. And um, I would say, look, you know, I mean, I've been through different types of roles. And one of the roles that I, I had to do was, um, was uh, in Belgium when I was leading Federal Express uh, supply chain services out there. It was fantastic. It was 
leveraging technology to deliver supply chain uh, capabilities for customers. And it was my first experience of leading large teams, but in a mix of blue collar and, and white collar uh, work, um, worker teams, you know. And so here it was, it was uh, quite a learning experience to understand, you know, how do you, um, how do you leverage the skills of others to be able to understand the operations and that you don't try to, you know, because you're the leader, try to think that you know how to, how to be able to run the operation. And, and I think for me, because it was the early experience, it was quite, um, uh, it, it naturally you think that you, you want to be able to run this operation and you, knew, you know how to do it. And so um, what I learned there was, of course, you know, it's very important to be able to bring together the right skills and early within the processes of making decisions, whether they're strategic or tactical, try to bring, um, you know, inputs and perspectives together appreciate that and then make decisions, not be in a hurry to make decisions. And I felt, you know, some of the failure that I had and things that I learned from is making decisions too quickly okay. and, then, um, and then having to deal with those decisions. So um, that's what I learned, but uh, you know, th that's probably not the only, only failure. You know, there, are, there might be many more, uh, but each one, um, each one has definitely uh, left its mark. Yeah. Okay, now in our community, CIONet community, we work with thousands of, uh, of CIOs, digital leaders, uh, around the planet uh, nowadays uh, and so what is it because you speak to so many of them and you, sp you speak to so many CEOs as well what are the the, the, the best practices the learnings that you have um, um, collected in the market that you would say this is really should be on top of the uh, of priorities or top of mind of CIOs uh, nowadays well, I think, you know, one of the things that I have picked up in my interactions is that CIOs that understand that um, they are constantly on a learning journey um, mm -hmm. is, is very important. Uh, why is that important? Because business and the needs are changing so rapidly. So technology that supports these business needs is also evolving very rapidly. And therefore, CIOs just have to be on a constant learning uh, journey to be able to enable themselves to support the business and um, so that's kind of one thing. The other thing is also this um, whole um, thought process on being a true partner with the business rather than a someone who is delivering something you know um, um, sitting right at the beginning and having conversations about strategically what does the business want to achieve then thinking about the levers of technology and what else can, what can help facilitate those objectives. That's another thing that CIOs, uh, you know, I, I see that as a best practice. I think the third thing is really about, um, you know, just the aspect about people and teams and leadership, being able to bring the best out, uh, not, not falling into the trap that you've got to do everything yourself, but more thinking through what kind of skills do I need within my organization, what skills can I best leverage from partners and how do I, how do I make that ecosystem work to be able to deliver? Yeah. So I think those are the kind of things. Finally, I would say just, you know, um, CIOs that are really, you know, in touch with, uh, with what motivates and inspires their teams, you know, how to bring the best out of, uh, out of their, uh, the, just the leadership skills. So those are kind of the four things that I would say are sort of the best practices I've been seeing. So Sanjay, you're obviously a very successful uh, CEO and, and, and leader of, of, your, uh, of your company. 
Um, so what is the number one advice that you would give to people that have also the ambition to become the CEO of a technology company? You know, that's a difficult one to answer because it's kind of, um, diff I guess, uh, nailing one thing. But what I would say, you know, as a CEO, um, the most important thing that you do is to create the right environment in your organization. Um, and there are many aspects of how you create an environment, but it all boils down to the culture and the environment you create. Because if you create the right environment, the talent will prosper, people will, will do the best that they can do, and the organization will push itself to the, to the maximum ability that the organization has. But none of that is possible by just one person leading a charge. You know, you just have to create the right environment where, where the organization, organization can, uh, can literally unleash its, uh, its potential. So I would say as a CEO, that's the biggest thing that you can do really. Okay, great. And with that, Sanjay, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for being with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, and I hope to see you uh, in real life in the future uh, very soon. I look forward to it, Hendrik. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you.